Welcome back to another episode of Life in Digital Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Kitty Day, Head of Talent at A Million Ads. A Million Ads are the personalization experts who help their clients harness data to create personalized advertising with more context and relevance to better connect with people. For anyone that's looking to grow their teams in the coming months and create a hiring process that centers around focusing on the right values and behaviors, then this one isn't to be missed. Kitty shares her experiences of how to create a culture that's transparent, inclusive and fun, as well as why a million ads concentrate on hiring for culture ad rather than culture fit. I hope you'll enjoy. So um, I'm head of talent for a million ads and so my role is all about how we hire, how we retain talent, how we create foundations for when people are interviewing us we're setting them up for success but also we're evaluating people correctly so that those expectations are aligned everyone's great and everyone's happy so that's only a small job it's not too bad (laughs) (laughs) just a little bit of change going on and you have experience at some of the big agencies Mm. and also working um, at some smaller companies and I wondered if you could talk a little bit about your background and how that's fed into how you've approached your time at A Million Ads so far? I think my career in certain places, I worked Group M, uh, Wiser, lots of these places taught me a huge amount of foundation to what I do and why I do it. I actually think it goes a little bit further back than that. I think I always remember when I did a career assessment and people always say this, but I did a career assessment and it was like, got to be a nurse you've got to be a paramedic now I'm as dyslexic as they come and they obviously didn't pick that up so the thought of me being responsible for like volumes of medication was just never going to happen but really early on I knew that I needed to be in an environment which was centric to people and how people think and why people react and why we do the things and and I kind of fell in like everyone does they fall into recruitment and I worked for an agency that then exposed me to Group M and I went over to Group M and I just had the best time there. It's an amazing company. I worked for some incredible people, Emmy, who I'm sure you know, Kirsty. I just had a really good group of people. So sorry if you can hear my dog and my partner is shouting, Barry, Barry is the dog. Um, <laughs> So Group M was a great foundation of where I learned like unconscious bias. I understood how to take a small kind of initial idea of early careers from hiring like a hundred people when I joined and when I left we were hun- we were hiring 400 and so we I just had this amazing journey and then at Wiser I had a great opportunity to work across industries like Fraser's Group as a retailer, Knight Frank as a property company and Um, I just I was so fortunate that I always worked for places that I learned a lot and then ultimately kind of found my way to a million ads which was really lucky. And how did that come about your you coming to a million ads and what was it about what they were doing that you thought that's somewhere that I want to be joining? Yeah it's it was the person it's always the person isn't it so Nikki Stoker who is our UK COO um, I was introduced to a million ads through a a really wonderful connection of someone random not random but someone I was connected to on LinkedIn being like oh I think you should have a chat with this person and it kind of unfolded and I was introduced to Nikki in the early part of the year 
and um, just instantly connected with her. Just there's something about her gravitas, the way she holds. She's very familiar to me. She's so she was so exciting. But it was a turn of events. I interviewed with them in January 2020. Then life happened, and I decided that I wanted to go down a different route, so joined Wiser. But Nikki was always in touch. She was always a good person. She was always like, come on, it's time. And in September, it was time. And I was so excited by the foundations of working for somewhere small and agile. But it felt very familiar because of the pace and the growth plans. And I was like, this is just going to expose me to something so different. I was like, I can't not take up on this opportunity. So here we are here we are and so what was the company size and the feel when you when mm. you first joined well I joined literally off the back of the real shit time of the pandemic so I joined in September and the business was going through they had gone into like hibernation at that point with their talent and for all the right reasons they just lay low for the crisis of COVID and then they were coming off the back of it and the product and our business was doing very well and that was the time where Steve our founder was like right all all guns go let's go for it it's crazy and you were saying to me when we spoke earlier that a lot of those people haven't met in person it's all Mm. been remote so how has it been for you guys growing so significantly Mm. since you've joined and obviously the plans to continue to expand I think well I'm still doing it It'd be interesting to talk at the end of the year because also at the end of the year there'll be another growth and that would be what it will be. But growing people, growing talent can be, I think it's success is measured by how people feel about the growth. So where I'm going with this is it's change and change in a business is sometimes uncomfortable because it's like, what does that mean for me? And what does that mean for my role in the business? And will I still have an input? The measure of the way that we're doing it is we have very strong leadership. We have incredible leadership. We're very clear on where we're going to go. And for change to happen, people need to understand why. Why is this happening? Like, where's the direction and why are we going that direction? So I think in leadership and of our business, everyone's been super transparent. It's a very easy thing to say we'll be transparent, but they really are. They're very clear on why we're doing it and why we need to do it. So The change is unsettling. There's obviously things that are moving, structures that are coming into place. But I think undercurrently as a culture, we're really clear on the why and why we're doing this. And sometimes it feels uncomfortable, but we actually know that the result at the end of it is going to be super exciting and we should just stick along for the journey. And with that transparency, is that communicate because I guess it's different isn't it when you're not communicating face to face you're not getting that body yeah you're not being able to read someone as well and even if it is over zoom yeah see the person is have you found that there's a disconnect between what's being communicated and how it's being received or how how have you kind of learned from that I mean it's such a brilliant question because it probably is an indication of maybe where I'm blindsided by it because of the fact that I'm not in the heart of the office and seeing people and listening to the conversations over the coffee machine and so either it's going to be a greatest Achilles heel that we don't know about it or it just maybe isn't happening but I think there is a natural disconnect when you create a culture or you're a working environment through something virtual but I, I still feel very confident that the people that we have in our business 
are so human are so people-led so like wanting to build connections and rapport with them through a computer screen or not they're still going to do that Mm -hmm. so it kind of is a bit of a combination the unknown of if it's really having a massive effect but also the known that people are really interested in making sure people are happy and comfortable and it kind of is a bit of a marry of the two yeah this is the question but it's a great question maybe it is our achilles heel maybe we haven't got a bloody clue but no i get it it's I, I'm quite interested to see what happens when we all come back into the yeah. office. Yeah. I think for some it will be a real shock to see this like growth in people that you don't know. And for yeah. others, like you say, that are naturally really bought into the vision and love people, that will just be exciting. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting time, I think, us migrating from everything being virtual. Yeah. I think this is another reason why it's so important around transparency. Because actually it's it's okay if that becomes difficult. And it's it, we we have a I have a real feeling of it's okay when things don't feel right. It will feel uncomfortable and it's okay to feel uncomfortable. Like if we go back into an office, it's gonna feel bizarre, but it, that is okay. Mm-hmm. As soon as we start trying to make people feel like they have to be okay about it and they have to like they don't have a say about it, then that's when we're doing something wrong. We mm-hmm. have to be we have to be clear that you are a part of the growth and you're a big part of that. So voice it when it feels uncomfortable, voice it when it's not okay. And then we'll cross that when we get to it. Yeah. Um, I think that's the approach we've got to take. And that's the approach we're taking now, which seems to be working pretty well. So fingers crossed it keeps working well. Exactly. You can't feel okay all of the time and it's embracing that feeling. Yeah. And for you guys, I know when I spoke to Nikki on the podcast previously, culture is a really big thing for a million and it's really injected into the hiring process Mm. and I wondered if we could take a bit of time to really investigate that a little bit further and maybe what strategies you're taking Mm. to keep that culture um, particularly as you're growing at such a fast pace. Yeah so I think where would be good to start would be talking about the foundations of how we assess against culture and how do we assess if Joe Blogs is going to be great for our culture. And it came into the fact that we have really beautiful, clear values within our business, that it's super transparent. And when I joined, we were looking at those values and I was going, it's it's very hard to assess against values. Like it, it becomes so gray if that value has been dropped in a sentence and can you really see it especially virtually it's so impossible so we were looking at our values and we started to work out what behaviors would be attached to those values so for example oh you want to test me now like um (laughs) revenue i can't even say it but basically it's around like creative excellence and how do we assess against creative excellence and we would look at things like growth potential authenticity or thinking outside the box so we have our values and then we connect those to a behavior. And then what we would do and what we are doing is making sure that every stage of our recruitment process, even if that's a call with me at the very early stages or a one-to-one with Nikki at the end, each stage has to have a purpose that connects back to our behaviors. Mm. So that when we get to the end of the process and we can assess, we can really understand what behaviours are we seeing? What behaviours aren't maybe there? 
and do we can we work on those is that something that we can build um so it was all about connecting our values to a behavior to assess what it means for our culture but the other thing that we're really and something i'm hugely passionate about is we don't want culture fit and this is going to be a buzzword and people are going to listen to this going oh god it's like it's another person talking about it but as soon as you start accepting that culture fit doesn't help your business grow and start looking at culture ad that's when you take it to like the whole next level and that's when it's really exciting because we as soon as we assess the values as soon as we assess the behaviors we already know that they're going to be good for us but we want to understand like what are they going to add to our culture if we don't want the same it's not just i love a Nikki or a Steve or a Mo or whoever, they have the right behaviors, but they're all very different and they bring something different to our culture. So at every interview stage, the first interview across our business is a culture ad interview, mm-hmm. which is where we strip back and we really understand their values, their motivations, like what gets them out of bed in the morning. What's what I'm going to tell you all of our interview questions, but Tell us something that's not on your CV that you're so proud of, but you just didn't feel like it was right to be on your CV because it didn't feel good. Like Mm. we want to just, we want to know them and then we can understand if they are going to bring something super exciting and something different. Um, But where we go and in theme of processes, we spoke about this before, but heart and head. Yeah. And what, our whole hiring strategy right now is on it can change and I hope it does change but we try and make sure that at every stage of our process we're assessing on the heart so does this person feel good like do they feel right do they add to our culture are they authentic all of those things and then we look at the head can they do the job are they filling the box of what their job is do they have the skill have they got knowledge in rust as a coder i don't know whatever it is and when we make the decision i always want to put the emphasis on that it has to try and be 50 50. as soon as your hire is slightly skewed either more head than heart or more heart than head that's when i feel like we're not making a calculated hiring decision we're making a decision on one or the other and i think it should be both um which has been very exciting. It's been received well. Sometimes it comes with its challenges, especially like entry level. We've just hired loads of entry level. We find that we normally hire more hearts than we do because there really isn't a lot of head in terms of skill. And that scenario is okay, as long as there is some head, as long as we can see that they have the foundations. Um, So it does vary, but it is a principle that I really want to try and keep at the heart of our hiring is a combination of the both. Yeah, I was, I was exactly going to ask, how does it work at entry level? Because it is a massive, it's, a, it's almost a gut feel, isn't it? And yeah. then the behaviours, you kind of yeah. read between the lines of the behaviours. Yeah. Um, and for you guys, how does it work in terms of sharing feedback? Because mm-hmm. I know we can often, often colour each other's opinions on stuff. So yeah. how are you approaching the feedback stage with, between these interviews? Now, I would be lying if I said there was a process for every single stage of the process. There really isn't. Um, so feedback, I can talk to you about a, a role that we're dealing with at the moment, not dealing with, we're hiring with, is an entry level, first entry level of the year, which is super exciting. 
and um, we had a huge amount of applications, an amazing volume of applications, but we only had one role. Yeah. So where I'm going with this in terms of how we structure feedback is we had to be super clear and we had to be really like structured in how we were gonna take that 120 down to eight. So we had a scoring metrics, which was based on detail, research and efforts. And then we had a, we bought, we pulled together a scoring structure, which is one to five in each stage as we would talk about examples. So the team would assess on that scoring metrics and the feedback then it made us or gave me was allowing the candidate to be like, okay, this was the framework we were scoring against. This is what your score was. And then further down the line, when it comes to more um, interviewing and less scoring, we'll still have foundations of scoring because it is important that you're assessing that headpiece and normally scoring is better for that. But we tend to do um, huddles. So once everyone is interviewed, everyone will come together as a group and I'll mediate that and I'll ask questions and get them to lean into the conversation and give me feedback. Or it depends how seasoned the person is interviewing. If they've done loads of interviews, they'll pop it on the ATS and I'll jump on and have a look at it and then build the feedback from there. And we try and give it as constructively and as fair and honest as we can. And we try and do that at every stage of the process. But it's not always easy. There's always some situations where you can't give feedback for everyone. But normally when they've gone through a recruitment process, we will definitely, definitely do it. Yeah, it's been really tricky. There's, there's a lot more applications, especially for junior hires. Yeah. yeah. It's huge volume. So with the junior hire one, which was um, really exciting, is that we, so we have that massive volume of candidates and we asked them to complete a piece of work for us. So that 120 went down to 50 and then that 50 has to go down to eight. But what we did and what I did was reach out to my network and I have what can only be slight, it's like the golden list of all entry level roles that I knew that I had in my market. And it was from Fraser's group all the way to small publishers. Like we had such a great list and my network was absolutely amazing, came together. And so in our rejection emails, I just sent them the list and said, look, for you right now, it's not right. We can't, it doesn't quite connect. Um, but try these guys and, and fingers crossed that means someone else will have someone that's right for them and they have the role and it's not so stressful for them anymore but yeah. hopefully we can help if we can not give them the job I know I saw that on your LinkedIn I thought that was such a beautiful touch because it, it is really tricky to give everyone individual feedback but then as people that love people it can be really hard to just ignore everyone you kind of know from a time pressure it's not possible no added value but without actually having to call them up individually and give them feedback which i think is awesome i think i would be i'd struggle to do the calling um but also i think there's a piece of the business recognizing the time that candidates give us at, at every level like at junior level to senior level there will be a fraction of their time that they allocate to us and as much as we can respect that and say, look, I'm going to give you a fraction of our time to give you back the time that you gave us, even if it's not right, mm-hmm. and it's really important. Like I said, sometimes it doesn't work, but sometimes I can and I will because I think it's important to honour the respect that they gave us their time and we should do the same for them. Yeah, agree. And you've started to work a bit more with early careers. 
which was uh, announced, I think, last week. But could you talk a little bit more about this? It's a charity, right? I believe. Yes, yeah. So the Early Careers Foundation is somewhere or something that I'm just so excited about. The bulk of my career at the moment is at all levels, and I love that, and I have the opportunity to work with like super senior, super junior. But maybe for the joys of what Group M gave me, I do have like a massive bias towards early careers because I just think there's so much potential and there's so much early careers shapes your future of your workforce like if you handle it right at the beginning you're on the home stretch for amazing leadership at the end so a million abs is giving me a lot and the early careers foundation dan ball and i worked together at wiser and when we both left dan was so honest and spoke to me a little bit more about his his thoughts and the early careers foundation and I was like, it's just an opportunity they can't miss up on. So I'm an advisory, God knows what that means, I don't really know. It means that they are a part of an amazing group of people who work at awesome businesses. And the Early Careers Foundation is about setting people up through a mentoring program for the ability for them to learn about either the career that they want to go into or provide opportunities to be just broadly educated. So for example, they give money towards theatre tickets and they give the opportunity to learn through meeting someone. So um, I was really keen to make sure that I had something that I could influence, not only a million ads, and, but also give back a little bit on the early career side. So I'm so excited. It's launching in a couple of months. So the charity is kicking off. Um, Dan is doing an amazing job, lots of work, like so much work. Uh, but we're in a place of just coming together about like what the mentoring program looks like, what they're going to learn, what can we do, where do we go, what schools do we look to partner with. Um, it's very exciting, really exciting. Very, very cool. And mm -hmm. I love the people. Like the just, like there's something about when you have no experience, you meet the real person, I think. Yeah, yeah. You can only speak about the real person which is such a beautiful thing. So yeah, I really love that you're involved in that. Um, and then for you guys, so I think we began speaking when you just joined about inclusion and diversity and all of these really big meaty conversations that are going on at the moment. And I know that it's something that you're really passionate about and are working through. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how you're approaching it and particularly, I know we keep coming back to it, but when you are scaling, yeah. it can be really tricky to think about actually the long-term stuff because you're so in the mm. to hire phase. Mm. Yeah. And you're, you're the person who has to take a step back and actually go, okay, but when we hire, we need to think about what that looks like in a year's time, two years' time. So do you, is there anything you kind of want to bring to that discussion? Yeah, there's so much. <laughs> so much, but with the risk of waffling. Um, I think what's, I can talk to you about team dynamic, which is something that's probably the most relevant in terms of a million ads. But prior to team dynamic, um, the importance of diversity, the importance of inclusion, it goes without saying, it's just been a massive part of the businesses I work for, but also a massive part of what I aspire to do in my career and, and be able to create a level playing field is an ambitious goal, but it's a goal that I know I really want to influence and have some input in. 
So Group M had a great opportunity of being part of All Means All, which is an incredible um, committee of people that come together to assess all levels of like, diversity. Um, and we had the opportunity to be involved in things like unconscious bias training, but also so much more. I was trained as a mental health first aider, which is awesome. So Group M and the people I worked with, like Kirsty Walker-Niemeyer, who is an incredible advocate of diversity, she taught me a lot. And then from all the companies I've worked at and a million ads, a million ads never took it for granted for a topic that they needed to talk about. Um, but we were just small and we were in a position where when I joined, it needed to be something that we were thinking about for the future. and looking at our makeup of as a business and the areas that we need to improve on. So Team Dynamic was created by Scarlett Richards, who's our Head of People, and myself. And it starts with a bit of a process where we're just focusing on inclusion. So that's our goal for this year. And inclusion for us is all around education. And what that means is the next six months, we're gonna be focusing on three themes off the back of us when we did some research of our breakup of our business and what our business wanted was saying that they wanted to change. We created, we've chosen three areas, which is ethnicity, uh, gender and age as an area that we need to recognize and understand and educate ourselves better on. Um, and we have 15 people within the business who have all nominated themselves and they are what we know as team dynamic. And they're all broken up into three groups of those three areas. And their role is just to be the person in the room who goes, have you seen this? Or we should know about this. Like something's coming up in a couple of months, we should be understanding what that means. And have we been a part of apprenticeship week? Because that's a great way of us increasing our age diversity. So they're there as our champions and our eyes of ears of places that we potentially just haven't seen as well as we needed to. And their role is all around education. And once we have a business and a workforce of people who are like super educated, they understand it. Once you have an inclusive environment, it becomes a lot easier to allow for change of difference because people understand and more aware. Um, and we can do, we can just do a little bit more at that point. But it's an amazing six months to a year. It's going to be a great year of learning and thinking and challenging. And that's really what we're kind of aiming for for Team Dynamic. But we'll see. Yeah, I, I completely, I can see why it needs to be that first and we need to switch the wording around from yeah. E and I to I and D. Um, but particularly because in the conversations I was having last summer, there seems to be such a problem with retention. So there's such an emphasis on this funnel, right? So hiring lots of diversity at entry level yeah. and wondering why there's nobody at board level. Um, so getting that education piece right ultimately will feed into the longevity of what you're trying to do, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think it's also just from a business perspective, like diversity is also diversity of thought. It's like different minds, different values. And so what better way to make our work better than educate our people on something that they never maybe have been educated on? It's just only empowering the people that we have with more knowledge. And more knowledge means better work. It means more lateral thinking, especially in our world of advertising. We can't be narrow-minded because then we miss out so much. 
So I think the education allows for the kind of inclusivity in the future, but it also allows for us as a business to be better, to be better people, to be better at our work. So um, it's something that's really important. We can't miss on it. We're not really missing on it, but we need to put more of an emphasis on it for our, our kind of work and our well-being as a business. Mm -hmm. And have you decided what those education pieces are going to be? No. <laughs> no, so team, team dynamic has just formed. So we have, like I said, 15. But we're literally just in the process of kind of narrowing it down into those three groups. And then it's up to them. It would be wrong for Scarlett and I to go, you need to and you should do. So yeah. what are you most excited for, kind of thinking, <laughs> personal life, professional, what are you looking forward to for the rest of the year? I was say gin and tonic, but... <laughs> we can say gin and tonic. Um, there's something about being back in a group and feeling like you're a part of a wolf pack or a pack or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I'm really looking forward to sitting in the middle of an office and seeing people who I've worked with walk past and <clears throat> hearing the person in the table next door go, well done, mate. And I'm like, yes, I hired the right person. <laughs> so I, I guess from like a selfish recognition perspective, I'm looking forward to seeing the people who I've backed in a process to really shine or not shine. And we learn from them, but um. I'm looking forward to just being present. I think I'm also very excited by the possibility of having a social life outside of the Zoom and a Google Hangout. That's just... Oh, my God. Who would have thought? I don't even know if I'm going to be able to speak to people in person. I'm just be like, how do I interact? Um, no, I'm looking forward to just being at the heart again and seeing how everything unfolds and, and also where the business is going to be in a year's time. So much can change. So much can happen. Yeah, what a great learning experience. I'm like, fuck it, let's go. Let's do it. Let's, have fun. let's do it. We're nearly there. <laughs> yeah, nearly there. I know. Oh, God. And is there anything else that you want to get across or feel like we've kind of missed? I think I would, one thing I'd want to say would be yeah. around, like, I think, if anything, right now, people who are in talent or people who are in business, we have such a duty of care for the people who have had a shit year, have had a really crap time. And something that I'm a big advocate of is that there's a great book written by a lady called Meg Jay. I go on about it so much, but it talks about the defining decades and it's all about your 20s. And your 20s is when you define your future. It scares me a little bit, but one section of it, which I always come back to when I think about people and recruitment and talent is this thing around um, loose connections make strong ties. And I think this is so, I don't think, I know this is so important for people who are finding the, the current um, recruitment market or job market really tough. Mm. That someone who's in a business or someone who knows someone who's looking for a job they have a real obligation to be that loose tie, that strong connection. And even if it's just sharing someone's profile or introducing someone to someone or just giving someone 10 minutes of your day just to talk about what you do, now more than ever, we should be that like strong connection. We should be the person that goes, I think I can help you indirectly or introduce you to someone because 
we're very lucky to be in a place of work or we're very lucky to know the people that we know and not everyone has that so um I think it's just nice to be a good person and say yeah I'll give you five minutes or I can introduce you to someone so always think about loose ties make strong connections and how you can do it more but that would be it that would be my only one thing yeah I think that's very sweet and it and those people might turn into whatever down the line so oh, you'll yeah. be paying it right yeah we've all had it in our career where someone has introduced us to someone I, I speak from a massive privileged face that I had that luxury of my parents knew someone and I knew someone and someone else knew someone. Um, but actually my career at Million Ads was through someone who I didn't really know and it was that loose tie. So everyone at one point will need that loose connection. And if you're in a connection where you have those strong ties, like utilize them, give them back and then something nice will happen to you in return, I'm sure. And that's where we are. Yeah, karma, definitely. Leave it. <laughs> yeah, if you don't, yeah, exactly. But no, I've loved it. Thank you so much. I hope I've not waffled too much. No, I love this. I think it's so, it's personal to you guys, but it's completely universal. And I learn things every time you speak. So I, just, <sighs> I think it's great. I think it's so good how you approach stuff and have taken these nuggets from all these different companies. And yeah, but you seem to have a very strong, vision of what you're building and then mm. taking the bits that you've learned and maybe not liked and then put it into what's happening right now for you guys so it's super yeah it will change I'm 99% sure and I hope it changes because um like Ben who's just joined the team he even in his time he's changing the way I think and mm. that's gonna be awesome I'm glad it's changing because if it was always the same it'd be a bit dull but yeah, yeah looking forward to the end of this year see where we are <laughs> a huge thank you to kitty for taking the time to record this week's episode if you do want to find out more about the work that kitty and a million ads are doing i will link to them in the show notes and via our website please join us in a couple of weeks time for when ed still will be talking to another leader in the digital sector Thanks again and see you next time for another episode of Life in Digital.